podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today we've got the full squad, Natasha Mikkel, uh, Laura Bradburn, Russell Boyce and Lawrence Haggerty. And we're here tonight, it's a, an Axom special, <laughs> Lawrence Connolly and, and Tony Haggerty. Oh, seriously. Good start, um, good start. It's a good start, you start as you mean to go on and um, just wait till we get to the team lines. Um, yeah, we're here. We're going to we're going to give you an impromptu Axon bulletin. We're going to talk about tonight's uh, big game between Celtic and Hibs, and uh, there's a few other topics to uh, discuss. But before we do all that, Lawrence Connolly, um, you have the team news for tonight's game. What what uh, what changes have been made since the Rangers game? She uh, Gardens missing out. Maybe uh, you know Rangers game is our second game back after a year out. Maybe due to some of the heavy treatment she, she endured during that game. Obviously, the goal scorer, Mariah Lee, starts. Jacinta Galabadarachichi is back. Yes. It's one of the stars of the show. Lawrence, and, I can't even get your name right, mate. So, well done. <laughs> and Katie Nicholson's uh, back in defence. So, you know, strong, strong line, line up, mate. 
Oh, absolutely. Well done in well pronouncing Nicholson properly. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Francie W. You have been supporting Axom all year, um, and you're tuning in for the the women's game this evening. Uh, obviously, that's the main focus, and we'll also talk about uh, other news involving Celtic. Uh, I was surprised also to see Teagarden bench. Laura, you're joining us for the first time to cover the women's game. You've done your research, and you were just saying before we went live that. She she certainly had impressed you. Yeah, I mean, I um, I said to you before when you asked me to come on, you know, I was a bit reluctant because, to be honest, I've, I've never never watched the Celtic women's team. I've dipped in and out of the women's game, but, you know, it's it, to me it comes across like a completely different sport, so you have to kind of a different eye for it because I think it is played very differently, different pace, um, different tactics, that kind of thing. So it's, it's something that's going to have a steep learning curve, certainly, but I, I watched a couple of the... Of the well, the five one one over Spartans. I watched the highlights of that and watched the highlights of the the Rangers game, obviously. And she was Tea Garden was standout for me. She just seemed to be like a great engine for, between the the midfield and the front. And um, she, um, I was surprised to learn that she had been out with the ACL, or I think it was an ACL anyway, but that she'd been out for that length of time and that she was only just back because she looked like one of the fittest, sharpest players in the team. Mm, definitely now <laughs> Natasha the other player we spoke about we were waxing lyrical about Chloe Warrington as well who starts um, tonight and it's, it's a big game because Celtic are now really pushing for that Champions League spot the second Champions League spot if indeed they, they're not going for the league title so I mean what are you expecting from um, uh, uh, Fran Alonso's girls tonight? I think it'll be a tough game to be honest um, Hibs, although they're not one of the top three who are really sort of battling out for the Champions League spots and the league title spot, Hibs are a good side um, their last couple of results have been narrowly beaten by the other two of the top three in Glasgow City and Rangers you know, losing 2-1 and 1-0 respectively and these have been tight games um, and by all accounts Hibs have been very unlucky not to get anything from either game, so for, from a Hibs perspective you know, if they've had these three tough games in a row, if they've had Rangers, Glasgow City, Celtic, that's a tough fixture list. They're two thirds of the way through and they've not managed to pick up any points despite coming really close. This is their opportunity to sort of, you know, put the hard work of those two games into practice and get something from the game. So I really expect to see Hibs coming out strongly and um, positively and trying to trying to win the game. But from a Celtic perspective, it's really important that we defend as solidly as we did against Rangers and don't let that happen. You know, there's no point doing all that hard work, riding our luck at times, to be fair, um, and, and securing the win and the three points against Rangers, only to undo that hard work today against Hibs. So this is a really important fixture for the girls to to sort of consolidate that win against Rangers and push towards that Champions League spot, bearing in mind that in a couple of weeks' time, Rangers and Glasgow City actually play each other. So mm-hmm. one or both of them is going to drop points. We need to win this game to make sure we're in a position to capitalise that on that in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely. Now, Russell, the messages have started coming in for yourself. We know you've got a huge amount of fans online after appearing <laughs> on not only a Celtic state of mind, but uh, overseas television as well, Russell. Uh, Alfred Nobel is looking forward to seeing the match and hopes that Russell gets lots of cheering in. Um, how yeah. are you feeling about tonight? I mean, when Natasha's talking about Champions League football, and you know, you'd hope that by the time that comes round for the women's game next season, we'll all be able to actually go and support them in person how great would that be? It'd be amazing it'd be absolutely amazing I'm fully on the women's team bus Paul that's right 
I have developed another bus this weekend, mate. Yes. Uh, the Celtic women's team bus. And I'm, I'm going to let Fran Alonso drive this one because he impressed me <laughs> uh, so much midweek. But I think what Natasha's saying is absolutely right. There's no point in beating uh, Rangers midweek in the manner that we did. When it, we did ride the luck at times, but we dug in. We put in a hundred million percent effort. It was an amazing display of like passion, fight, desire, all those sort of Stephen Presley sound bites, you know. Uh, and I think you've got to then completely, like you say, consolidate it and make sure you then beat a team that, albeit are one of the stronger teams in the league, that are still not part of that full-time top three. Do you know what I mean? Or I don't know if Glasgow City are actually full-time. I don't know. But um, obviously they are like the elite sort of three clubs. So I think when when you're playing a team that's outside that and you've just beaten your you know your rivals midweek, you've got to then... Uh, and I think... I think as well there'll be a huge confidence going through that team. You only need to see how the United after the game. And they very much strike me as a squad and a management team pulled in the same direction. And that is very refreshing to see at Celtic Park. Mm. We're getting some good comments coming in. Liam Reid, uh, come on the girls uh, with the obligatory H, obviously after the G. Uh, Mailey's boys, uh, what time are the ladies kicking off? It's 10 past and it's live on BBC Alba. So 10 past. We are going to be your pre-match um, bulletin for about half an hour leading up to that. There's a few other topics. It's a, it's a Celtic broadcast, so we can talk about the women's game, we can talk about the men's game, anything Celtic related, and we will discuss that. Um, and another good query coming in from Plexi Plocks. Uh, will pre-great... You see, I got off to a bad start by calling Lawrence Lawrence Haggerty, and now it's all gone. Uh, will pre-game bulletins be a norm for the girls going forward? Well, as uh, often as we can possibly cover the game, we certainly will do that. Obviously, with clashing fixtures, etc. Um, we might even have two bulletins if there's a clash of fixtures, Natasha, in, in the future. Absolutely. I know. You know, we chose to go with the women's game against uh, Rangers on Wednesday there, but uh, moving forward, it would be brilliant to to cover both teams. Absolutely. 100% be up for that. And yeah, as I was saying before, there are a few other stories uh, to cover in the world of Celtic. Before I come to Russell Wee's Mourinho boss, uh, because I don't think I've discussed this with you, Russell. Um, Lawrence, are you looking forward to seeing Mariah Lee start um, tonight? Because obviously we were very impressed uh, with her goal, our winning goal on Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. She showed a good turn of pace, good composure. Hopefully, Fran's going to go two up top. I don't think we need to sit, sit as deep as we did against Rangers. So, I think we'll see a more attacking Celtic side. And definitely, the, the, the goal hero, the Glasgow Derby goal hero. Uh, let's hope she gets another one or two. Now, as I say, there's plenty to discuss. Let's start off with Jose Mourinho, or Jose Mourinho. Um, now, obviously, this story was always going to break, wasn't it, Russell? It was always going to end up on the uh, uh, who next for the Celtic manager list. I'm actually very confident that, uh, you know, Eddie Howe is going to be announced yeah. very shortly as a Celtic manager. But the story, um, you know, it's it's always going to get the clicks, isn't it? It's always going to get people uh, putting on the bets. You wonder uh, why the story's breaking, uh, how much truth is in it. I think it's a non-starter. What's your thoughts, Russell? I think it's extremely unlikely. I mean, I think it's extremely unlikely, but I just feel that, you know, if there's someone like that available, and obviously we've been... There's been a couple of sort of different scripts getting written for the Eddie Howe delayed decision, and obviously we know we're not we're not party to what they are. But I mean, one of them was that it was him that was stalling with perhaps his eye at Crystal Palace or Newcastle or any other EPL job that became available 
for me, if that was the case, you call his bluff when you ask someone like Josie Mourinho when they're available. The flip side could be Eddie Howe's doing exactly what we wish Neil Lennon had done when he was offered the job as much as we didn't want Lennon to get offered the job, by the way. I'm just saying when he did get offered the job, you would like to have thought he would have pushed back on accepting that um, unless he got his own men in the, in the, in the the you know in his team. Um, it was disappointing that, that Lennon ended up in there on his own and eventually, ultimately, you know, I, I don't think did him any favours in the role over the 18 months that he was in charge or 20 months, whatever it was. Um, I think for, for if Jose Mourinho, though, is a candidate that's available right now, which obviously is, and there is to be any doubt about the how deal, then you have to make that phone call. I mean, we, we talk about acting like a big club again. Act like a big club and ask him if he, if he wants upwards of £8 million a year. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a complete non-starter, but you, you've got to think as well. I say this about managers all the time. The management wage structure that, that Celtic have, whatever that you know limit is, that ceiling is, probably could always be increased slightly. I mean, you only need to think of four or five names from that squad's combined weekly wage. Mm-hmm. And you think, wow, take those idiots who've contributed nothing this season out that squad. And there's one heck of a, a chunk you could add on top of the already, say, I don't know, say 30, 40,000 they've got put away for, you know, the next uh, managerial appointment. So, yeah, it's unrealistic, completely unrealistic, but... I, he would be my absolute number one. I'm not going to lie about that. I mean, I would take him in a heartbeat. He would unite the fan base straight away. I know you'd cause division eventually down the line, but so what? It'd be amazing. Eventually? Be eventually. <laughs> I don't think he'd unite the fan base at all, Russell. I'm going to have to come and disagree with you there. I did a, a wee poll when his name started getting thrown about um, to, to see what the what the fan opinion on him would be, um, whether they would take him as next manager. Um, somewhere in the region of 5,000 votes and 52% said yes, 48% said no. And honestly, time and time again, we're getting Seville coming back up. People have long, long memories, so I'm not sure he's entirely one to unite the fan base. Um, but the point I do agree with you on is that it's completely unrealistic. I don't think Josie will be at Celtic Park. No. Um, Unless he as an opposition manager at any time in the future. Sweet, sweet. Twitter votes are all good, right? But the only thing I would say, right, I'm telling you, if he was appointed, that'd be the fastest season ticket sales you would get. Faster than Eddie Howe, 100%. He's box office, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. He's a mega bus. He's a mega bus first, wasn't he? He's a mega bus, Lawrence, you know it. <laughs> You're talking there, Natasha, about uh, Celtic fans with lengthy memories, and you're absolutely right. Now, last, not last January, the January before, Kevin and I were invited along to this Soccer Sixes event at the Hydro Wars, right? In fact, I've lost a year. It was actually three Januaries ago, and um, there was a rest of the world team. I mean, the, the lineups were absolutely tremendous. Scotland had a team. It was all ex-pros. There was a rest of the world team, and Van Hooydonk was playing for them, um, and various other incredible talents but um, Vitor Bayer was a goalkeeper and we were offered a, an interview with him so we had access to all areas uh, to interview whoever we wanted and Kevin Graham said no you know I can't be part of Axel if you agree to this interview and so um, I think there's yes. a lot of there's a lot of fans out there who probably share Kevin's views on this one um, it would be interesting but I mean it brings up the idea how what do we know about the deal we know he's been offered the job 
Um, we know that there's a big issue in relation to uh, not just a director of football or technical director, but the whole group of staff. Like you say, Russell, you, you kind of think, well, fair play to you, because why would you p- possibly operate under the same, you know, restrictions as Neil Lennon? Yeah. Uh, to give to give Neil Lennon some credit, as Neil Lennon was uh, operating under uh, this season and uh, obviously uh, last season as well, because when it all unravels and you're looking for that support and people are second guessing you etc because that's part of your team that's not there so we understand that there's a huge amount of staff I remember reading a, a report some time ago this this gives you an idea of the kind of staff we might be talking about here I remember reading a story about Sam Allardyce and the fact that you know he had 17 members of staff I mean that was everything from dietitians to obviously coaches and you know all these people who were part of his team they needed a boss Russell and I think that <laughs> Eddie Howe um, might not be as many as 17 but the thinking is when you when you look at Bournemouth and obviously their, their promotion chasing uh, Bournemouth and Jonathan Woodgate was in the news recently talking about Celtic but some of the staff we're talking about will still be employed at Bournemouth won't they so I mean, if you're looking at the, the investment in Eddie Howe, you're also investing in, you know, numerous other members of staff as well. Laura, I'm going to come over to you. And if you're thinking about the fact that, you know, Eddie Howe himself will be on a big wage, let's say he's got another half a dozen or eight members of staff he wants to bring with him. Um, Celtic really aren't in a good <laughs> kind of bargaining position to say well we'll go elsewhere because we really need uh, this appointment I, I believe at this moment in time Eddie Howe's the man we need to bring in Yeah I mean I, I, I remember joining back in, in December long before um, Neil Lennon was sacked and, and saying that he, he would Eddie Howe would be my first choice not only because I rate him as a manager but because uh, I think he is that perfect balance between the quality that we can get and the realistic chances we can get. I, I, I understand Russell's point about, you know, if Mourinho's out there, you ask him the question. Again, to, to, to go back to what Jim has said before when we've spoke about Ralph Ranić, if you ask people of these calibre the question, uh, if they then say, well, it's not for me, but I can recommend somebody to you, then then... All, all the better for it but um, to go back to Eddie Howe I, I don't think you can afford to make the appointment just with him and not get the coaching staff on board because he will always feel hamstrung if that's the case if if he was uh, I, I personally from what I've seen of him I don't think he would take the job without getting the staff in but if on the off chance that he did take the appointment and came in without the staff that he had requested, he would feel on the back foot from the from from the word go, I think, and, and you would be in a situation where either he felt he couldn't give the best out of himself because he didn't have the means to do it, or because um, he just felt like relationships started off on the wrong foot. So, yeah, it, it's got to be all or nothing, I think. Yeah, I'm just thinking back actually there where I had a wee faux pas when I was introducing Lawrence and Russell uh, supported me by just kind of rocking back and forward and laughing at me. So uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Russell. It's great to know that we're all in this together when somebody's having an off night. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a joke because he kept going on about Anthony and the, the last show because he kept talking about commitment. I thought it was your, your, your player. Listen, I'll give you a better one. Somebody on Twitter got me and Russell mixed up the other night, so you're, you're, you're all right. Excellent. Twitter can be an interesting place, that's for sure. Um, now, on Friday, uh, we did get an opportunity just before 
uh, Laura's uh, bulletin at half 12 with Anthony and Jim we got an opportunity to speak to David Lowe um, it, was a, it was a good conversation unfortunately there was a few connection issues at David's end which was part of a, a wider Wi-Fi problem in his area in Glasgow um, but this is kind of like uh, you know in the lead up Natasha to quite a big event that's happening uh, next week and it's an event that uh, you've done a bit of work on thankfully to bring it to the Axrom table tell us a wee bit about what's happening on Wednesday night so Wednesday night um, we've got the guys from Celtic Trust and Celtic Shared coming along to host what's really a town hall type event um, on a virtual platform. Really what they're there to do is to answer questions on the share proposal, which I'm sure everyone's heard about. And if not, go to Celtic Shared and have a read about it on Twitter. Um, so they're there to answer questions. We're hosting it, which is excellent that we're able to do so. And they've invited along other representatives from fan media um, and other organisations to come and ask them questions about the share proposal. It's very difficult to have these debates um, over social media methods such as Twitter with the character limitation. And people have questions, people have queries and people have concerns and they recognise that and they want to be able to engage with these people and answer them but properly and sufficiently not over a social media platform so having this town hall type event where they will be there to take questions respond to them no holds barred um, really is a great way of getting more information about the share proposal out there and hopefully alleviating any queries or concerns that anyone might have um, so tune in that will be on Wednesday the 28th um, live on all our usual social media channels um, if you've got any questions that you think you would like raised then be sure to let us know on our social media accounts but otherwise tune in and hear what the guys have to say it'll be really interesting that's for sure it is it's a real coming together I mean we've seen some of the potential back in December you know what actually happens when Celtic fan groups Celtic media groups come together and, and uh, for the greater good either of the club or for charity as it was in December Use, using the kind of technology that obviously it was always out there but we've been using it far more often during the lockdown I'm pretty sure um, it'll continue to be used in a big way post-lockdown, but pulling that all together on Wednesday night on a Celtic state of mind and it will allow anybody to get involved with questions, comments and we'll be able to um, chair that, uh, or host rather, that, that discussion on a Celtic state of mind. So fair play to yourself, Natasha, for putting some work into um, making that happen and it's going to be very interesting from my end to hear what everybody is saying now. There's plenty more uh, happening at Celtic at the moment and one of the interesting things that happened earlier today um, every so, there's so much information flying about that uh, you miss uh, unfortunately um, important articles etc. And Joe Bloggs City on Twitter uh, brought to my attention today, Joe Blog City uh, of uh, the Celtic Wiki fame, brought to my attention a very interesting article that had gone well under my radar and it was from um, a user called Frankie Bonfanti who uh, had been following and I am following but I'd missed this, this uh, article that he had written and it was all around a, a partnership deal that Celtic uh, had done some time ago. I think the article itself was written uh, around about December time. So the first thing I would say to anyone listening is go and check it out um, because 
it's very uh, concerning, actually. Natasha, did you get a, a chance to read through the article yourself? We've actually invited Frankie on to one of the bulletins next week. Um, and then obviously we'll be able to, to go through his findings. And, and this is all around, um, it's called an opinion piece, Celtic standards are slipping on and off the pitch. Uh, what was your main concern having read through that article from Frankie? I just thought it was a bit of a strange partnership that seems to have flown under the radar. And when something flies under the radar, there is a reason it has flown under the radar. Um, so really, Celtic have you know partnered up with this Chinese company who seems to specialise in video technology and slightly more concerningly, surveillance. Um, my concern is that the company itself, firstly, um, this is a company that have been blacklisted by the US Department of Commerce over their role in human rights violations. Um, apparently a serious issue with their workers over there, which can't be taken too lightly. Um, the fact that Celtic are partnering with a company with this reputation concerns me. Have we not done our due diligence into this company? Or have we done it and decided we don't care? Which would be an example of the club not living up to the standards that it promotes. Um concerning maybe maybe you know we're looking too much into it they're seeing it as a some sort of video deal where Celtic are going to apparently have video walls in the superstore and drones filming at Lennox Town to help with that sort of thing or you know are the club putting technology in place to have closer surveillance of the fans um who knows and why are we partnering with such a company many unanswered questions and why has it flown under the radar no, I know, and and as I say, I'm going to try and get Frankie onto the show so we can speak in some detail. Um, something's tickling Laura's fancy here. I'm not sure if well, it's, I'm just uh, I'm just checking around the room to see if there's any cameras or anything I've not noticed. <laughs> well, the big thing, the big thing, Laura, about that is uh, you remember the focus, even the focus group, the Police Scotland's focus group, taking cameras into film uh, supporters, and um, you know the Green Brigade were very vocal against that because obviously we were looking at our human rights and uh, you were you were told that you know you're always under surveillance in a football stadium anyway because there's CCTV um, but you know when the the police started walking around uh, the edges of football uh, parks with you know ca- cameraed up and and looking at so-called risk fans but if you're standing next to them Russell you're you're also being recorded you know it seemed very much like a violation of your human rights and mm. so there are quite a lot of uh, um, concerns around about this deal but I would need to thank once again Joe Blog City for bringing it to our attention um, we'll all have a good read of it we would advise everybody else out there to do the same and I know that David Lowe who was on the show on Friday is going to discuss it with the Celtic Trust members as well um, to see if they can actually uh, you know raise it with the club so it all ties in and we will try and get Frankie on for some more um, information about it now we're talking about a deal potentially Natasha that would have had some kind of involvement uh, from Peter Lowell and we are expecting uh, Mr Lowell to leave uh, once Dominic Mackay is in in post, I mean he's obviously in the building but once he's in post we are expecting Peter Lowell to to leave and I think that when the announcement was made we all believed that to be the case I'm going to ask um, the group here and, and everyone else who's tuning in on Twitter, Facebook and on YouTube what if that doesn't happen? What if a a completely different role is created at the club to keep Peter Lowell there? Lawrence Cornley, and I'll ask you first, what kind of a fallout do you think would be created by such a move? Listen, commercially, I think it would be normal for someone of that level to stay on and give a longer handover. 
Uh, it depends what this new role looks like. Uh, if it's just to keep his contacts within uh, the European Club Association, who knows? It depends how much reach he's got. Uh, is he still going to be micromanaging every part of the club? I don't think anyone would want that. If he's on as a, an own exec, I don't think that, that would be unexpected. If he stays on as chairman, that would be completely different, wouldn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it would be really concerning. I, I think depending on the, his role, if it's kind of non-exec, I think I would expect anything more would be worrying. Well, you're right. It's it's really as a means, I think, uh, certainly in part to uh, retain positions on various other boards that he might have um, already. And then you think, right, okay, so would it be good to have someone fighting either Celtics or Scottish football's corner on various other boards that he's involved in? Or like, and, and I'm pretty sure Jim Orr will agree with this, do we need a clean break from Peter Lowell and this overbearing uh, kind of management style that he's had? But you do look at some of the deals uh, because we're trying to be as balanced as possible. Laura, I'll come to yourself. You look mm-hmm. at some of the deals, particularly in the transfer market with the likes of Dembele, for example, Kieran Tierney, some say we were... Uh, um, you know, shortchanged on the Tierney deal. So, you know, being able to to recoup your your transfer fee for Clamala. These are negotiations that Peter Lowell has been involved in. Uh, so, do you think that there might be a possibility that he will uh, retain a position in some capacity? Listen, I I don't think the benefit that. Peter Lawwell has has given Celtic in terms of steadying the financial ship and, and, and you know, getting those good deals for players both in and out of the club. He's definitely got skill in that department and that shouldn't be underestimated, but I would be a hypocrite if I said anything other than I think we need a clean break from him, like you said before, because I've been pushing for it on all fronts, uh, on the field, off the field, um, and, and that would extend to the boardroom. Um, as, as far as things are concerned... I think, given the way this season's going, given the way that everything was announced, it would be hypocritical of me to say anything other than that he he needs to go, even if there are benefits to him staying. Because as Lawrence has said, um, I'm not, or or as Lawrence alluded to, I'm not entirely sure that he wouldn't get involved in situations and areas where he shouldn't be involved because he's got a track record of having done that before. So as long as he's still in the club, you're in a situation where that's that's always likely to happen so the best thing to do is for, for him to, to just go I think yeah See, right. just, just on that as well I think the fact is even if he wasn't we would suspect he was yes. and that's already you know I mean Absolutely. it's just a disaster and that's something because we you know you build up sort of caricatures of people do you know what I mean and like you get like you get images of them and there's no doubt in that the image we seem to have in our head, myself, well, I'll speak for myself, right? But, I mean, the image I've got is, you know, he is a slight, you know, control freak, you know? I mean, that is how, that is how I would describe it. And I think if decisions got made on, we missed out on a player, for example, in the summer, that was perhaps, let's say, for example, a Kevin Nisbet doesn't join and he goes to Birmingham City for three million, but Celtic bidded two and a half. You, you, you know, that could may well be that that is all... Eddie Howe was wanting to go to if it's Eddie Howe in charge, but we are always going to be at the back of our head thinking that's got the hallmarks of uh, of the of the former CEO. So I mean, it's just to me, it's it's a it's a lose lose situation that one. It really is. Yeah, 
Yeah, the puppet master talking to caricatures, that's exactly what comes into my mind. Russell, I'm going to run around the room and see uh, what the predictions are for tonight, starting with yourself, Natasha, Celtic against Hibs. I'm going to go for a Celtic win. I think it might be quite tight, um, so I'll go 2-0 Celtic. 2-0 Celtic. Lawrence, how do you see tonight's game going? Jacinta to make a scoring return. Mariah Lee to follow up uh, a goal-scoring form. And I'm going to go one better, Natasha, with a 3-0 win to the girls. And can you try Jacinta's surname again? No, mate. I've got it just <laughs> quite well my head. Don't think you should be slagging off surnames, Paul. <laughs> you're right, Laura. You're absolutely... I've just been Bradburned. <laughs> Laura. If she scores, I will say it again. How's oh, that? good man. Good man. Laura, what's your prediction for tonight? Listen, I, I don't know much about the Hibs team, to be absolutely honest. So in, in sheer ignorance, I'll, I'll, I'll follow Natasha's lead. She's a lot more knowledgeable than me about it, and I'll say 2-0 as well. 2-0. And Russell? 3-1. 3-1 to the girls, definitely. I think there's goals in the team. I think Maya Lee will be full of confidence. Um, I'd watched, as I say, I'd done like what Laura did, a wee bit of research before the last match, and Jacinta, you know, Lawrence's favourite. I mean, she's... a uh, she looked really, really tidy in the, in the highlights. So I think that she's going to be a creative force in the middle and my elite to get a couple of goals tonight, I think. Brilliant. Well, we'll be back at half time. So enjoy the first half. And thank you for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.